Um, hello and welcome to another episode of Little Insights. I'm joined by Ben and Adam. How are you both? Yeah, good, thank good. you. Good. Um, we, so we kind of said that we were going to start our podcast by introducing some facts. Uh, I believe, Adam, it's your turn to introduce a fact for us this time around. Okay, thank you, Ross. Thank you, Ben. So according to a BBC News article in 2017, it was found that the smell of rosemary can enhance memory. And it was found if it's in the essential oil form, it can boost memory by 5 to 7%. Five. Quite, quite significant. 5 yeah. to 7%. Yeah. And, what, and who did the study? It was a university. I <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, according to the BBC News article, it was a Northumbria University. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, like, straight away when I think about that, I do actually... Like s- smells can be quite significant in terms of like, s- like a particular brand of perfume that reminds me of a girl kind of thing. You know, that kind of like, brings back memories of certain things, uh, less said. But, you know, in terms of actually being a powerful tool, smell certainly is significant. When do we ever use it in the classroom? Yeah. Do we make all our classrooms smell of rosemary? Gosh. Well, and just you associate rosemary with learning. Sorry. Yeah. That's probably a... Well, do, does it, is it that it triggers certain you know neurons in the head that kind of like them kind of are more alive and things is it that is it the actual being honest not too sure (laughs) sure. (laughs) (laughs) i think it was the idea of it kind of i think you've kind of touched on it is that you relate in a memory to scent and i think it's like i think that's how it's linked it might be a little bit like i remember when i did my a-level psychology course and there was this whole thing I'll always remember about so and I don't know how factual this is so please don't take me on that but it's that idea of if you I say you were drunk and you remember or you learnt something you'd only remember it if you were drunk again it's not something so maybe it could be like kind of that certain bits of the brain get unlocked by certain yeah. so actually you want to use the rosemary as uh, something when you're trying to learn a really a kind of key tricky bit of knowledge you wouldn't necessarily just have it in the classroom the whole time. Yeah, because it almost like diffused too many kind of memories. And so maybe perhaps it's not Rosenstein's principles; it's Rosemary's principles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, is that yeah? Uh, that's uh, it's not one of Rosenstein's it's not, principles. It's no, actually it? using using smell. Yeah, I mean sometimes you, you do get classrooms smelling for all the wrong reasons, but um, yeah, yeah, you could like or, or even sounds like trigger a sound. Maybe that I'd be interested to know how significant the, the kind of sense that's triggered does actually relate to the memory so i think it's the idea of also that smell in humans is highly sensitive and it kind of causes this electrical kind of reaction in the brain so it might be that it gets your brain working harder you know building those schemas maybe and maybe then you have to just gently infuse your exam rooms or examples just yeah just filtering through mist of lavender it's a bit like when you walk past greg's and they're pumping out the smell of bread (laughs) yeah who knew, who knew it triggers herb- that kind of memory, doesn't it? Yeah. And who knew herbs had so much power, eh? Yeah, no, interesting. Going back to sounds, you did just introduce a random horn at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> oh, you mean, you mean this? 
the, the sound of the fact of the uh, episode. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be the new. Uh, well, that's what I'm bringing to the table. Literally, it was, that was pretty much that just happened. Wasn't even discussed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm rogue like that. I just kind of you know come up with new ideas. You know, revolutionary. Okay. You um, like it though. I mean, I, I just thought it kind of denotes like a clear point at which the fact starts. You know. Once this horn's heard, everyone knows that the major facts coming into play. So we have the horn going, a little bit of rosemary, we'll remember the facts. Yeah. Ah. Maybe, maybe we're just enhancing, instead of just using rosemary, the horn is also a trigger for memorising things. Oh. 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 oh, what was the guy with the dogs, Mendelev's dogs? No? Pavlov's dogs. Pavlov's dogs. dogs. Who was Mendelev? He was a footballer, wasn't he? Yeah. No, Pavlov's dogs. <laughs> memory. Pavlov's dog, yeah, the ring the bell, starts saliva in, you hear the horn, you know a fact's coming, that's the... That's, that's where we're at. You're about to be hit with a fact. Yeah, major fact. Talking of memory, did you also know climbing a tree supposedly helps you remember things? Really? Mm. How, how do these people come up with these like ideas and these studies? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, let's boil an egg, see if it helps you with memory. Let's climb a tree. Where did you get that fact from? I got that fact from Radio 2 Factoids. <laughs> good, good source, good source of all okay, facts. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see that study as well. I'm not too sure about that one. If, if anyone is aware of that study, please do get in touch and tell us whether that is a legit, well-founded so, study. Yeah, you're not going to hear from anyone. No. <laughs> right. So what we're saying is our classrooms now need to all have trees in them. Rosemary trees. Rosemary trees. Rosemary right, trees. Actually, even yeah. better, yeah. That you can climb. That you can climb. <laughs> Health and safety won't be a problem there, will it? No. Just what like, if you yeah. replace a desk with a rosemary tree? You just climb just on up and sit bush. there. Mm. Rosemary's a... Is it ever a tree? No, it's like a plant, isn't it? I think, well, I've definitely got one in my garden that's slowly turning into a tree just because it's been oh, left for so long. Isn't yeah. rosemary also useful for helping you go to sleep? Uh, I feel that I could think that's be lavender. I know, I can Yeah, yeah. That could, that again, there must be sort of, so again, talk about the power of the herb, there must be things that kind of, uh, yeah, help. Okay. Well, it'd be good to hear from anyone that's got any sensory classroom techniques or tricks, sounds, smells, anything really. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah. So was that fact again, Adam? Smelling rosemary helps you remember things. <laughs> Okay, so I'm joined this afternoon by Helen, who's just coming to the end of her NQT year. Hi, Helen. Hi. Um, hopefully today Helen's going to give us an insight into life um, as an NQT and how that was for her this year. And before we do that, so Helen is our first guest, and we're going to introduce our quick fire round questions that we discussed in our first podcast. So, Helen, are you ready? I am ready. So, uh, it's the first thing that comes into your head. So, okay. question number one, um, what is your funniest moment in teaching? What's the first thing that comes into my head? Um, I mean, it doesn't fit, it's not going to sound that funny now, but it felt quite funny at the time when I had a challenging, particularly challenging year seven. We were trying, I was trying to make progress with him and we came to blows and he was so annoyed that as he walked out of the classroom, he turned the lights off. <laughs> it felt quite funny at the time. Yeah. What was your reaction from the rest of the kids? Um, they were... They were quite like, ooh, what? they were like, ooh, no, he hasn't done that, like looking at me to see how I was going to react, like how much trouble was he going to be in? But it felt quite like a, like he'd done a funny storm out, so I kind of wasn't that angry. Okay, great. And uh, number two, um, will you always be a teacher, yes or no? Yes. Number three, um, your most frustrating uh, thing about teaching? Um, 
My most frustrating thing about teaching is that they are still children. And as much as you like try and try and try and try to make them do the right thing, sometimes they are still children and they just still don't. Yeah, I think I can relate to that frustration. <laughs> uh, number four, what's the best thing about being a teacher? The connections with the kids, definitely. And number five, if your classroom was on fire, yeah. what two things would you save? Oh, good one. Assuming that I've got all my like personal effects, because otherwise it's going to be my phone. Okay, phone and? Phone and probably I've got some postcards from the kids that I've got stuck up on the wall. Okay. So then... But you'd leave the kids behind? <laughs> Every man for themselves, the kids are being left behind. <laughs> okay, great. Um, okay, great, great answers. Thank you. Um, so again... We've asked you to come on this show to kind of uh, give a bit of an insight to life as an NQT. Mm-hmm. It's something that we, we all go through, but really you just forget about it as you kind of move through your career. So what advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about entering the teaching profession? Um, I think that what I wish I had known coming into my NQT year, particularly when you're in, when you first start in a school, is to rely on the people around you a bit more to not just try and be perfect all the time and pretend that everything's going okay even if you're having a really bad day or the kids are if you're having a hard time to kind of trust the people in your department or your mentor or whoever to take some of the slack if you're struggling did you did you find having that mentor really helpful yeah really helpful yeah matt like one of the most essential parts of my year. okay good who, 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 other than your mentor, who else would you have said? Was it someone in your department or even another NQT who was probably helpful? Yeah, definitely. I think finding another, finding someone, I was lucky that there was someone in my department who was at the similar part of their career to me. So a girl who was also an NQT um, and having that to share the stresses and, you know, the bad days when that there's not someone that's just necessarily going to tell you what to do, but someone to just listen when you're like, oh, I've had a really tough day. It was really important. Oh, good. What would you say has been the highlight of, the, of your year? The highlight of my year, there's actually been quite a lot of highlights, but I find the most satisfying parts are always when a class or a person or relationship is challenging and then that turns fruitful as a result of the effort you've put in. So I had one particular class at the beginning of the year that were challenging or more challenging than the rest of my classes and so that kind of took more of my energy and more of my planning and I put a lot of energy into like trying to build relationships with them putting in a new praise system to try and get them on board I spent a lot of time calling home for both good and bad reasons to kind of get them on side and then that class turned into my we had such I got such good progress out of them so that was a really satisfying so that's probably a key message really isn't it that all that hard work and effort actually pays off in the end definitely you know, as an NQT, that sometimes can feel a little bit overwhelming, mm. but actually it is worthwhile persevering. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose this might link slightly to um, your highlights. So what was your darkest moment and how did you get through it? Um, my darkest moment was with another class who, kind of the contrast to that class, they started off really well. We just had, it was just smooth from the start. And so perhaps because it was so smooth from the start, I kind of let things slip a little bit more than I was with other classes when they're more challenging so I put so much effort into them this class was kind of breezy and then there was a bit of a change in set so there were some new characters came into the class and it just deteriorated the behavior deteriorated so quickly and I just wasn't prepared for it and it got quite like to be an unpleasant um environment to teach in and really challenging environment to teach in um and it was just hard there was like probably a week where I was like oh I just can't handle it I can't do this anymore 
And then that's when going back to my like first thing about what what I wish I'd known is I went to my head of department and the second in command of department was like, I'm I'm drowning, like I need help. And they just massively stepped up, helped me disaggregate some of the like challenging people in the class so I could get them back on board so that I could rebuild and it made a massive difference. Good. Again, so it's that support from the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. And utilising that. Um, so you had a career change. Yes. Um, can you kind of describe that journey from where you were to where you are now in terms of getting into teaching? Yes. So I used to work for, um, since I graduated university, I worked for Deloitte in um, consultancy. So I worked for lots of big banks, different clients, um, kind of helping them run big projects on um, various things, but often like complaints. So like any of the PPI projects, they run boring, boring. But um, so I did that for about 10 years and just felt like I wanted to be in a career where I felt like I was making more of a difference which sounds like a massive cliche but that is that is what made me do make the change and I always liked working with not working with but I always enjoyed any interactions with teenagers in the family so that was what made me think about secondary Um, I did a couple of days just experience days in secondary schools to see whether I liked it have friends that worked in secondary schools and liked it and then applied to do my PGCE and then one of my placements was this school and now here I am Okay, how how tough was that transition? So I imagine you're going from a full time working job, yeah, to then being in a training year. Yeah, I actually think it was it was hard. It was a big change, and because there was a lot more um, independence, and in you know having to having time to do your studying, making sure that you're on top of all that that work that comes with your PGCE was hard. But I think it it put me in a better well. You know, there's obviously lots of different paths into teaching and they're all valid. But for me, I found that coming from a different career where I was used to working full time and used to working long hours, I'd come into come into teaching and that transition didn't feel as as hard. Okay, I was going to ask you, you mentioned about the pathways. There's so many different pathways now into teaching. Yeah. Would you recommend the route you took? Yeah, I would. So I did the PGC route. I did. uh, I toyed with doing um, I can't remember what they're called. Schools Direct. Schools Direct, exactly. Um, but what I liked about the PGCE route is I thought it was a, a it's a more gradual introduction into teaching. And I thought having not no experience of a school and no experience of a teaching, it would allow me to kind of warm up slowly rather than being quite so thrown in the deep end. But there's definitely advantages to being thrown in the deep end as well, I imagine. OK, great. OK, well, thank you for sharing your first year in teaching. And Pleasure. Uh, wish you all the best for your, the year ahead. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Um, we would love for you to join the conversation. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, which is Insights Little, or you can follow us on Twitter with Little underscore Insights. It'd be great to hear from you. Oh, 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 oh.